When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Welcome to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. Carl Langdon and Mark Reddings with you tonight and so much to talk about. Did you go to the cricket on the weekend? Were you one of the 23,000 fans? I thought it was a little bit slim. Uh, that uh, number, given that we hadn't had international cricket here for 1,029 days, I don't know how you feel about that. Was the promotion big enough or do you think that was a pretty good turnout? One double three eight eighty two because it wasn't a bad game of cricket, particularly if you like runs. Uh, we've had um, some AFL trade talk uh, get Executed today, Mark Reddings, which has uh, been unbelievable. Probably the busiest day when you look at a couple of the deals that have been done since the trade period got underway. Yes, good evening, Carl. And to our listeners, the clock is ticking and the end of trade week is not far away, but a predictable deal done in the end with Fremantle acquiring Luke Jackson from Melbourne. At the end of the day, Melbourne gets pick 13, Fremantle's future first-round pick and future second-round pick. So tied to the Dockers in that exchange for Jackson, picks 44 uh, as part of the whole mix. So GWS ends up with Toby Bedford. We know the Eagles have been involved in a four-way uh, mega deal, as they call it. Uh, they've given up pick number two. Now, that's a, a question I'd like to ask our listeners as to whether they're comfortable with that. But off the back end, they might have sacrificed number two in the draft, but they've got pick eight, pick 12, as uh, we're talking inside the, the top 20. They're two live chances, two opportunities to pick up quality young players, as opposed to Maybe pick two, which obviously is outstanding uh, in the draft order, but I think what they're trying to do is maybe just give themselves a better look at the talent, be it locally or across there on the East Coast. Yeah, and I think that when you look at the future second-round pick and future third-round picks that they picked up as well, so pick two, pick 40, uh, and Junior Rioli go to Port Adelaide. One double three eight eighty two. particularly if you are a follower of uh, this uh, part, of and we've got to remember it comes down to total points and what you've got in your hand it's and confusing. in play it is and it's even more confusing say for a, a club like Brisbane who have got a couple of um, sons of guns who they want to get into their football club and what that looks like that that might push out uh, the Eagles number a little bit further depending on what uh, bids are at play there Will Setterfield to Essendon uh, he's an early draft pick hasn't got a lot of opportunities at his old club Carlton um, so he will hopefully be looking for more there and Isaac Rankin the other one that um, has uh, been a lot of intrigue around him, but in the end he gets to where he wants to get to along with Horn Francis. I mean, the movement, as we did predict, I think, throughout the, throughout this year, we said that this was going to be a busy trade period. I just wonder whether the other big names are going to get the, their deals done, like Sam Mitchell. Is Brody Grundy going to be somewhere? I mean, Josh Dunkley's deals, talking to Brisbane, that's yet to get done. Other Ollie, Ollie Henry wants to get on the move. Rory Lobb, of course. Asafa Radagalia. And there's many more that we could roll into the conversation right now. Yeah, you mentioned Rory Lobb. That could go right down to the last 
our last half an hour. And we know it can happen very late in the piece. Brandon Matera speaking in the West about what he went through and came down to a minute or two uh, before he knew his fate. So yeah, that's to be decided uh, off the back of that, as you say. Uh, the Eagles, they might even drop down to, to pick nine, given the father-son set up with the Lions and Will Ashcroft. He's going to be some player... Um, given the reports we're hearing about him. So there's some real talent, more so Victorian-based talent, but I have to say, and we're talking to this young man a bit later, the AFL Draft Combine took place in Melbourne at the weekend, and a kid called Darcy Jones from Swan Districts, he was outstanding, uh, broke a record, uh, was equal uh, best in another area, the vertical leap, uh, having a chat to him. There were 12 West Aussies who went across, Ruben Jinby, amongst uh, the many possibilities of draft selections coming up later next month. Yeah, and out of the uh, 7 o'clock news tonight, Garth Tander is going to join us on the back of uh, winning Bathurst for the fifth time. That's an awesome achievement. Holly Furling, who's joined our Perth Scorchers, uh, believe that she's arrived in town. We'll have a chat to her along with Trent Cooper that we normally do and uh, Luke Jackson for you Dockers fans is going to join us out of the first break but we'd love you to join in one double three eight eighty two the trade period the cricket on the weekend if you went along to the game there's so much other sport to talk about uh, including Arsenal back on top of the Premier League after defeating Liverpool overnight g'day Rodney and Balladura you're first how are you mate I'm good far away hello yeah far um... away go I'm wondering in regards to the mega trade, if the Eagles should have held out on that trade. I think they actually got ripped off on that trade. Um, I think Willie Rioli is a much better player, and what we got for him is a joke. And Port Adelaide is clear winners in this trade, and we've just got shafted yet again. Why can't we have decent recruitment managers who actually play hardball with the rest of the AFL clubs to be able to get what's best for the West Coast Eagles? Yeah, Roddy, look, I accept your point, and let's be honest, Port Adelaide, they've decided it's all chips in by the sounds of it, with Jason Horn francis that whether that's fallen in their lap in terms of him putting his hand up to return to South Australia, not too sure how long that has been in the making, but let's suggest that it's uh, been in the background for a little bit. Uh, the Junior, junior Rioli scenarios come out of the blue to some degree. I think most people thought that he would be at West Coast uh, next year. This is going back a couple of months ago. So, uh, look, I don't mind. Look, the Eagles and Port Adelaide are in a completely different position, I believe, Carl, to, in terms of where they're, they're trying to... West Coast want to get a good look at the draft. Yeah, and, and look, I, I would suggest that their analysis of the, of the field is that they will be saying to themselves, Rod, well, what we can get for pick two, we can get at pick eight. Yep. And also, Junior Rioli, uh, just Rodney, for, for what it's worth, a premiership player, much loved, but since he returned from his exile, from uh, the, the 18 months out of the game... I'm not so sure he's he's been as good a player. Now that might still come at Port Adelaide. He might produce his best footy, but I'm not I'm not suggesting that the Eagles can't emerge with a good result out of Rioli leaving. I think there's always opportunity when a player leaves of someone of his quality. Well, I, I think West Coast have done really well. In fact, I think they've probably done better than what I thought they could, to be honest. So I'm completely the opposite to Rodney because I feel that uh, for what we saw from Willie Rioli, we've seen the best of him. I think that uh, what Port Adelaide have paid is overs, to be perfectly honest, for the next four years. If it's around $500,000, $550,000, he was getting nothing or going to get nothing like that at West Coast. Um, so whilst outwardly they would say that they want to keep him, as you should, um, I think inwardly they would say, yep, the deal that we've done for Willie Rioli is a really good one. I, I think that, you know, there's probably not going to be much in the top um, from the sound of it anyway. By the time you take these couple of father-sons who are, who are highly rated players out of the equation, there's not going to be much between, say, the, the top sort of 
10 to 15 players that are that are in the draft. So West Coast are going to be pretty well positioned to secure a couple of them. And then you must uh, also remember they've got early picks in the second round as well. Yeah, and you think of what is out there draft-wise, and, and not saying you just go with West Australians primarily, but a lot of the top draft picks are going to be from Victoria through Vic Metro, etc. Uh, so you're looking at around that... 8 to 12 mark, where you will get a look at the likes of you know, Ruben Jimby, who was, is highly regarded, East Perth uh, mid. Uh, Jed Buzzling also from East Perth. He's more a defender. Um, there, there's going to be opportunities for the Eagles to, to strike. And, and bear in mind, if you've got 8 and 12, and what we're forgetting here is that, and we're hoping that Campbell Chesser, who effectively will become a, a recruit, given he didn't play any footy this year, things aren't going to be as dire, at least on the surface, I don't think, as, as what some believe with West Coast. I think they're they're not going to bounce back from like a Collingwood did, I don't think, and go from second last to a prelim final. But I think they have got the ability to bounce a lot more quickly than some believe. Yeah, look, if they can get all of their well-credentialed players fit, you know, if, if Oscar Allen's fit, if Dom Sheed's fit, if Tommy Cole's fit, I mean, they're not old players. They're all young players that weren't available. Then if you can get the old blokes fit, um, you know, like Shuey and Nat Nui, right from McGovern, right from the start of the season, uh, then you throw in Elliot Yo, who's in, what, his late 20s still? He's still got plenty of footy ahead of him, but they've got to all get fit, like Geelong. You know, Geelong just showed how it can be done with a, a group of older seasoned campaigners. And um, I think that, uh, you know, if you use them as an example, there is no doubt that West Coast can certainly climb a hell of a lot higher than what they finished this year. And uh, with COVID hopefully out of the equation, we will see uh, that happen. Um, plenty of other news out of the weekend too, Scoot. I know the glory lost. We'll have a chat to Jack Clisby later. That's to kick off uh, their season. Willie Pike uh, to ride in the Everest on Saturday. He'll ride Mast Crusader in that race, about an $11 pop. And the Caulfield Cup, of course, has come up pretty quickly. That's on Saturday as well, only a couple of weeks away from the Melbourne Cup, which I think you're off to, right? Yeah, the Spring Carnival, can't wait. It's been a couple of years since we've been able to jump on a plane and go to any major events. Uh, speaking of a, a good result from a WA perspective, uh, the Perth Wildcats are less than 30 seconds away from wrapping up a big victory over the Cairns Taipans, 101-76 to 76, uh, with less than 30 seconds to play up there in North Queensland. No to Sean Thomas, no Corey Webster, no problems. They just get the job done. This is talk about a team that missed the finals. They will go deep this season. You just know Sydney Kings have started the season really well, and the Wildcats, well, an unblemished record after three matches. Pretty nice way for John really to take over in the saddle. Yeah, Minwoo Lee third at the Spanish Open on the weekend, and Grace Kim qualifying for the LPGA Tour for 2023. It's first Aussie since another West Australian, Hannah Green, in 2017 to earn promotion to the LPGA Tour via the secondary Epson Tour. So uh, just a little bit of sporting trivia for you there. We're to get to a break on the other side at 17 after 6. We will be joined by the new recruit for the Frio Dockers Luke Jackson next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Nice to have you company here on Sports Day. One double three eight eighty two is our number. And if you didn't hear us off the top of the program, we for Trade Radio updated you. Thanks to Continental Tyres, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia that Luke Jackson, of course, had made his way to Freight. One of the first deals that were done and they've continued to evolve since. And I'm glad to say that Luke joins us here on Sports Day. Luke, welcome to Sports Day, mate. How are you going? Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Um, yeah, going good. How have you been feeling uh, since the process got underway? It's been a little while now. Yeah, it has been. Um, yeah, it's just a big weight off the shoulders, really. And, um, yeah, just can't wait to get stuck in and meet all the boys. And, um, yeah, just fresh start. Can't wait. Speaking of meeting the boys, you've had a tour of the facility. Uh, how many of the staff members, obviously the coach you would have come across, but have you caught up with a few people 
at Coburn to to get a lay of the land? Yeah, I've been um, I've been in the facilities a couple of times now, so it's um yeah great facilities and um yeah met up met up with JL and Delhi as well and um got to meet them and um yeah they're really good blokes so um yeah just can't wait to get into the routine and get stuck into it. When did you make the decision that you wanted to return home, mate? Was it pretty much before the season got underway this year or midway through? When did that start? Yeah, it was about that bye break in the middle of the season. Um, I was able to come home and um, met up with my manager and um, we were able to talk about all the um, decisions coming forward then. So um, I met with Frio and that period and I um, had a pretty good feeling um, that it would be leaning towards Frio after the season. So, um, yeah, that's probably when it all started. Were you homesick in Melbourne and, and missing your family and friends? Uh, I wasn't too homesick, but um, it was pretty hard to get back home a couple of times with all COVID happening and stuff. So, um, yeah, I missed them a little bit because it was hard to get flights and stuff. But, um, yeah, just really happy that back home now and I'm um, in a familiar spot there. There was a lot of chatter about... You coming back to WI, I guess that solidified when uh, talk emerged that you'd purchased a property uh, back in Perth. Uh, that that made some headlines over here. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I, didn't, I don't know how that got out, but um, yeah, no, it's funny seeing um, those things come out, but um, yeah, no, it's all good. All the real estate agents, mate, they're, they're salesmen, mate. They talk too much. That's how it gets out. Hey, uh, now, did, yeah. did West Coast have any active role in this, mate, or has it just been sort of like, you know, a little bit of talk on the side? Um, yeah, it's just been a been a little bit of talk. I think, um, yeah, I met with, um, in the buy break, met with the Eagles as well, and um, they had a really good pitch. But, um, yeah, I think when I met with Freo, I kind of knew it was um, right for me and, the opportunity going forward, um, yeah, it just felt right. Um, but yeah, Eagles were Eagles were good to have a talk to as well. Obviously, your time at Melbourne, mate. Uh, you've been a regular fixture of the side this season, playing 22 games. Uh, you end playing 52 games. You're a premiership player at their football club. There's probably a lot of reasons that you would have liked to have stayed, given that they invested in you. But you know, being an early pick as you were, mate, it was pretty obvious that you could have been in any club uh, who had that particular pip pick in that particular season, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I haven't. Um, I'm yeah, extremely grateful for my three years at Melbourne and I've made like mates for life at that club and um all the coaches and all the boys there um yeah great people there so I wish them nothing but the best but um yeah as I said I'll keep in touch with most of them and um yeah, wish them all the best. Now, Luke, Luke Jackson we're speaking to, by the way, he just joined the Fremantle Dockers as part of Trade Week. You'll say wherever the coach wants me to play, but if you were asked by Justin Longmuir, game one, where would you like to play? What would you tell us? What are you? Are you a forward? Are you a ruck? Are you a hybrid midfielder, as some are suggesting? What are you? Yeah, I don't reckon I'd put it down to one position. I like, um, I like being able to play all over the ground, so I'm... Um, yeah, I kind of like to mix it up, I reckon. Maybe a bit of forward ruck and then go to the bench and then come back onto the midfield or something like that. That would be pretty nice. But, um, yeah, wherever I get put, I'll just 
playing my role for the team. Yeah, I'm sure you will, mate. And I'm sure uh, wherever you play, you'll do pretty good at it. Thank you very much for sharing some time with us. Uh, enjoy uh, your break, mate. There's not long of it left uh, getting into Fremantle. Um, uh, you'll be training soon, I'm sure. When do you have to rock up for training? Uh, yeah, I haven't got the exact dates yet. I think I'll get them in the next couple of days, but um, maybe something like the end of November, I reckon, so not too far away. No, it's not. Good on you, mate. Thank you very much for your time tonight. All right. Cheers, fellas. Good on you. Luke Jackson, of course, pick three. I think I said pick two. Pick three in the 2019 draft uh, is what he was. Uh, played a, a big role in that 2021 grand final too because we saw it right here. Uh, and plenty of other deals fell today. And West Coast, uh, they end up trading their pick two, Skeet. Uh, and that helped in the Horn Francis scenario. And it also helped uh, Junior Rioli in his uh, desire to get across to Port Adelaide. Yeah, not a bad result for Port if you're looking for uh, a young draft top selection in Jason Horn francis and then you've got Junior Rioli. So there, uh, Ken Inkley is all chips in by the sounds of 2023. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, West Coast, if you haven't heard, thanks to Trade Radio and our update, thanks to Continental Tyres, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia, search Continental Tyres today. They received pick eight from Port, pick 12 from GWS. There was a lot of clubs involved in this. A future round two from Port and a future round three from Port Adelaide as well. So that's what the West Coast Eagles ended up with on the back of today's little bit of action. Now, there was plenty more than unfolded. We'll get into more of that. And your calls after this. One double three eight eighty two. How are you feeling, Freo, after landing one of the big fish today? Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have you company. Me, Carl Langdon and Mark Reddings with you tonight. Uh, the Wildcats, gee, they were impressive tonight, Mark Reddings, weren't they? Unbelievable. Terrific, yeah. That's three from three, looking really good. And, of course, uh, thanks to KO. Watch the T20 Cricket World Cup on KO Sports. That is a sports update. The Wildcats, uh, comfortable winners up there. Todd Blanchard, by the way, shooting really well for the Cats. And uh, in the end, Carl, it was, uh, it was very tight at quarter time. I think the... The uh, the home team, the Cairns Taipans, were leading by a point, but after that, they just blew them away. 105 to 76, the final scoreline. That is a big win, particularly away from home. And bear in mind, they played Saturday night, so they had to fly to the other side of the country. It's, uh, it all happens pretty quickly in the NBL, and uh, they'll jump on a flight tomorrow morning and, and head home. 37 points, I believe, in the second quarter. So that's what got the job done. Let's go to the phones, one double three eight eighty two. If you'd like to join in, g'day, Roscoe. Yeah, good evening, fellas. Great show as usual. Just quickly, um, and probably Skeeter would have seen more of this play, but next year uh, Fremantle need to get into the draft next year. They consider next year's draft very strong. Where does Lloyd Meek go forward with this with Hawthorne needing a Ruckman? And I really rate this guy. Um, I know, look, uh, Darcy's a very good player, but he tends to be a little bit injury-prone, and I reckon long-term, I reckon Lloyd Meek will end up a better prospect. But we've heard nothing is two days to go, but I know Hawthorne has spoken to him, and I think that Fremantle may need to look at that and maybe get a maybe an early pick in next year's draft. We'll leave it with you and see what you think. So you're talking Sam Darcy rather than Luke? Cause... No, I think he's talking Sean Darcy. Mm-hmm. So you're referring to oh. Sean Darcy. Oh, was he? Oh, I yeah. thought he was... I was talking about Lloyd Meek. Right. Okay. Yeah, so, so, therefore, so... so, Roscoe, you're talking about Sean Darcy. You think that Lloyd Meek's got greater potential than Sean, do you? Lost him. Okay, fair enough. But, no, I think he was saying that Lloyd Meek right. has got greater upside. Luke Darcy sure. hasn't played for a while. No, we've got Sam, so Sam's thinking, the Western Bulldogs. Yes. Yeah. But, no, I'd, I'd beg to differ. I mean, Sean Darcy is an outstanding ruckman. Mate. Lloyd Meek is a, is, a, is a strong, solid backup at, at Fremantle. He may well be a number one ruckman, say, at Hawthorne, for instance, with the departure of big boy McAvoy. But, no, I think 
I think the Dockers have got it right there. Darcy's their, their man. Jackson, who knows where he's going to end up as a, a long-term uh, player at the club. But, yeah, I think Lloyd Meek, although the Dockers would like to keep him, I think there's probably demand out there for him to search for other opportunities. Yeah, and I, and I think that he's already said that he wants to go to Hawthorne, hasn't he? Um, mm. And, uh, you know, like West Coast showed some interest but doesn't want to play there, and it makes sense given that he's a Victorian boy to head back that way, but they should be able to get a good pick for him, and he won the first and best for Peel on the weekend, so um, I think that adds to his stature, and they are hard to come by, and one thing about Hawthorne, though, in the past, Skeet, is that they've picked off Ruckman from other clubs and turned him into premiership players, you know, when you have a think about David Hale and big boy McAvoy from St Kilda, who came across Hale originally from North Melbourne, they've done very well uh, in able to pick up more mature age Ruckman and turn him into premiership players. How much stock, though, do we place and you and I have discussed this, uh, on on Ruckman. I mean, if, if you're chasing, uh, for instance, uh, v, Ruckman v forward, key mm. forward, you're taking the key forward every day of the week, aren't you? Well, a, think, a good key forward. Yeah, I think that, you know, when you have a look at the Rucks that have, say, been at West Coast and moved on, you, you know, Lysett broke down, but he was the number one Ruckman at Port Adelaide until he broke down. Um, Marty was a backup. Callum Sinclair's just retired. Or Hickey. Tom Hickey has just uh, played in, a played grand in the grand final. final. So oh, my point is that what often you're seeing is that some, I mean, like Max Gorn, uh, elite, no yeah. question about that. Sean Darcy, outstanding. Brody Grundy, when he's fit, no doubt about that as well. I'm just not sure that, you know, if, if, if you're going to go and chase a big name, right? That's why I can't quite get my finger on the, the Grundy Gorn situation, why Melbourne would be pushing for that. Uh, to happen. Most clubs, if you look at, say, Gold Coast with wits, most clubs have got the the front man. Uh, yep. where, where it different, differed a lot is, is with Geelong. You know, if you look at Stanley and, and Blixavs, I mean, they're more agile ruckmen. I mean, even Stanley, for, for a bloke of his size, he's a good mover around the ground. I think you've got to be more than a ruckman, which has been my criticism of, say, Nick Natnui. And, and because he was limited in his effectiveness in contest and around the footy because, you know, he just wasn't able to climb to the heights that he'd risen to in the last couple of seasons. And we had reduced game time, remember, due to COVID. So with games extending back out, and with injury and, and other things that affected his performance in and around the contest. Because when it breaks away from the contest, that's when Nick has to get more involved in the game. And that's where a few of these other younger ruckmen, like a Sean Darcy, for example, actually offers a lot more because he goes forward and is able to charge out and take a mark, which is something that I think Jackson will be able to do too, which what makes it uh, so exciting for Fremantle. Yeah, I think, Nick, no, I think, you, look, I think you're right from once the ball spread that that's where he needs to find his, his position and get, get himself more Involved. I think in those stoppages, he can be quite, when he's fit, he's an extra midfielder in terms of getting that clearance and just a big body. So, no, he's got a lot of upside, but you're right. If his body isn't right, he's going to struggle again in 2023. That's just a simple fact. Yeah, and, and look, going forward and kicking goals, he's never been huge in, in leading out taking marks. He'll take the big mark over the pack every now and again, but I think he only kicked half a dozen goals this year at, at most. And, you know, that's something that when you look at Max Gorn and uh, and even uh, the big fella in Darcy Cameron that at Collingwood this year, I mean, mm. the number of goals that he was able to a kick revelation. and taking big marks was awesome. Uh, Donnie, good day. Good evening, boys. Oh, dear Carl, I agree with you. You've been saying it for years, and I totally agree. These poor kids with a the draft, they're just a number. Okay? Dean Cox, he wasn't even picked. He was rookie drafted. Okay? Eagles, all because of your mate, Mulhouse, overlooked Simon Black. Was what he went to thirty four was he, and we picked Jackson Crib at number eight. So just a call earlier 
this uh, giving up number two pick. I I agree with the Eagles did. Uh, hopefully, they'll go for from his birth. And also, um, there's another young bloke, uh, Hewitt, this one district. Elijah. Apparently, yep, he's a gun. If they can get hold of those two young kids and then go for Ruckman and Ford in the uh, last two rounds, and, you know, go for local kids. They, they in front of your noses week in, week out. So, but, yeah, what they did, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, you I agree. Know, I think... Yep. Yeah, I agree, Donnie. Eight and twelve. I think that's not a bad result. And and like, it is just a number, Carl. But you'd have to agree that since you were involved in footy as a player, and look, there's always hit and misses because we talk about you know the Simon Black who's taken at thirty one in that that draft that Donnie was referring to, is you know the Buddy Franklin situation where he got got thrown. I think it was was it Richard Tambling who got taken early in that draft. Anyway, there are always going to be players that you think, why didn't we take him? The Aaron Norton situation at Fremantle uh, didn't get to to Frio because they they went in a different direction. So there are stories of that ilk, but I think the science or certainly the research that goes into to trying to identify the best players, it has come a fair way since the early 90s, let's be honest. Yeah, it has. But but what's made it more complicated for clubs and, and why they jockey for position is points. Yeah. So they've got to have these points and then clubs look into the future and the number of transactions that can take place. I mean, it's a lot more complicated than what it used to be because it used to just to be pick a number, right? And I'm, I'm thinking about Dean Kemp and Brett Hedy. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're they're ridiculous. Not even, not even a Powerball number. They had that far down the track. <laughs> Correct. So, um, I mean, Chapman that played uh, at Geelong, uh, he was, I think, a 50 or a 60. So, yeah, at the end of the day, there's uh, plenty of players that have, say, um, fallen through the hole. Still better to have. I mean, if you can have three or four inside the top thirty, then happy days. I mean, you'd rather have that than be sitting outside and, and as the Eagles have had to do in the past couple of years and the onlookers. So no, as I said, with eight, twelve, Campbell, Chess are hopefully back fit. They've got uh, the makings of of some regeneration at the footy club. I think Lynch, Cox, Fletcher. There's three off the top of my head. They are all rookie selections uh, for for West Coast. Uh, Clark in Palmyra. G'day, Clark. How are you? Oh, mate, I can't pronounce his name, but the big Fijian for Geelong. How do you rate him as a ruckman? Asada Radagalia is uh, his name. Yeah. And yeah. I had some trouble this year myself. <laughs> Cal, I, 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 no, well, that's okay. I, I, when I've got time and space, so I'm a good outside player. Um, look, <laughs> look, he couldn't quite nail down a spot at the Cats, could he? No, um, Asaba, and but they're a premiership team now. Well, they were they weren't when he was obviously last year, and he still couldn't even even when they were were around the mark, he just couldn't quite nail that spot. So, in but terms Cameron of the players, comes, it depends how many forwards you play. So Cameron comes in, Hawkins has been there forever so since before he got there, so he gets squeezed out of the third man role, which essentially then you know when they had other guys rolling forward, and they went for the mid range sorts of players, you know the the likes of Rowan, and then the small brigade, which is what served them so well. I mean. When you think about close, the impact that Stengel had that they got into that forward mix and then Grian Myers uh, and Maxie Holmes, he was the other bloke that was rolling through that area. That was their mix. So essentially he was squeezed out and then he had to fit in. He went down to to, to defence late in the season and played a role down there when there was an injury. But, yeah, I, I you know, he, he's not, he's not, um, he's big. 
He's big. Would he be better than a couple of the guys that are big at West Coast right now? Probably, but are they in that space? I think West Coast are more looking to the future and they'll be trying to do what Fremantle's done and bring a whole group of younger, talented players through together. Yeah, radically taken, by the way, at pick 43 in the 2016 draft. He's only 24 years of age, so he has time on his side, and you know big guys take a bit longer to develop. But since he's arrived at Geelong in 2018, he's played at 59 games, kicked 38 goals. So, look, he's a he's a service. I think he'll get picked up somewhere uh, down the track, surely. I mean, he's got enough talent to, to be on an AFL list. Well, West Coast need another talented key forward on the back of Josh Kennedy, whose uh, testimony was uh, outstanding um, on Friday night. It was, um, it was there was a thousand people there and the adulation for a bloke who's, you know, the, the greatest ever goal kicker at the football club was unbelievable. But they do need to fill his shoes and they're big shoes to fill. In fact, right now they've not got anybody who is anywhere near capable of filling them. But, you know, if they're, if they're up and they're fit, you know, Oscar Allen goes back in the forward line. They got Ryan. They've lost Rioli as well, of course. You know, who else is Waterman? Who else is going to keep bobbing up and getting jobs in that forward line? Jack Williams is probably not quite at the level, but he's still only young. And it did, we got, we must remember that, you know, Josh Kennedy, when he was at Carlton, played in a team that won a wooden spoon. And I think in his first six games, um, you know, he didn't have a lot of impact, but certainly changed uh, in the last couple of hundred games that he played. Yeah. So darling. Alan, he said Waterman and Liam Ryan's got to have a better year. He needs to get himself 100% fit. That small forward element, I mean, Zach Langdon probably hasn't, well, he certainly hasn't nailed down uh, any position in a, in a regular basis. So, yeah, they've got they've got some decisions to make. They've got some, some ground to make because when you have the year they had, you clearly need to improve in a lot of areas. I mean, if there's a big key forward like a Jai Amos, who's the same height mm. as Kennedy, Jump you, on. I'd, be going, I'd be going for him every day of the week. The, the problem, I suppose, for West Coast is, is that they've got an ageing midfield. Redden's now gone. I mean, that was uh, you know a little bit of a shock, I think, uh, to most. But in the end of the day, he's now gone. Um, Andrew Gaff's been limping around on one ankle for most of this season, so whether he gets back to uh, the level that he's got to in his career, which West Coast need him to, and we've spoken about Yo and Shuey and a few of the other old guys, but who of the younger crop, say, is going to come through and take over from these guys and give the West Coast Eagles the impetus that they need through that midfield? So they're going to have a, a fairly big eye on the midfield. Obviously, Campbell Chess is one that we um, are speculating can fill a role in there. But they've also got to have a a, a a big eye on their on their spine because without a spine, you don't have a football team. And, you know, big blokes don't get any smaller at the end of the day, do they? You only have to have a look at the impact of guys like uh, the big fella and Tommy Hawkins and what he did to kick off Geelong in that grand final. Yeah, and they're the benchmark. Again, in fact, you look at the past uh, decade, although they've only won the two flags book in here, when I say only two, uh, most clubs would take that in a heartbeat because you know how hard they are to win just one in your, your generational uh, stage of, of football club and the Cats have been thereabouts competitive and they're a destination club they keep picking up players, ready made players uh, the draft number doesn't really concern them, they just get quality into their club I'll tell you what, the other bloke that was awesome in that grand final for Geelong was De Koning. How, how good was he, mm. you know, and he's only 21 or something like that, so what an impact he's had, we've got to clear a commitment, more of uh, your calls after this, One double three eight eighty two. Ski and I love chewing the fat, if you'd like to join in you can, uh, trade radio update we'll give you, thanks to CMC Markets after this, trade your way with CMC Markets, visit cmcmarkets.com. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year.
Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. Sports Update thanks to KO. Don't risk uh, missing all your team's matches of the T20 World Cup. You can get it on KO Sports. A big win to the Wildcats, 105-76 over Cairns tonight. Um, just a few of the other deals, of course. Uh, we have a, had a chat to the big Lukey Jackson when it comes to uh, the CMC Markets, uh, .com. That's where you can do some of the best trading right there. there. Uh, we had a chat uh, locally about Junior Rioli. Uh, he's got his way to the Port Adelaide Football Club picks 8 and 12. Uh, GWS have given and been as part of a four-way transaction. West Coast pick 12 as part of Horn Francis getting to Port Adelaide. Um, there was also the Will Setterfield deal that was done. He's gone to Essendon. Isaac Rankin has also gone to the Crows. So just some of the other dominoes to fall today and whether we'll see a few of the others uh, fall in the next couple of days. I reckon we will. Well, there are going to be a few more yet. You'd have to think so and certainly uh, blokes like Rory Lobb and Josh Dunkley will be uh, looking to the heavens and hoping because uh, they've been they've all all their their chips are in when it comes to going to Brisbane uh, for Dunkley and, and to the Western Bulldogs for Rory Lobb. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia EV6 and Sportage Cars of the Year. Now, after the news that's fast approaching here on 882 6PR, thanks to Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage Cars of the Year. Garth Tander is going to join us, uh, of course, winning the Bathurst 1000 for the fifth time on the weekend. Absolutely outstanding performance. Holly Furling will join us. She's joining our Perth Scorchers. We'll find out a bit about her. Darcy Jones from Swan Districts, who headed across for the draft combine on the weekend in Victoria. Trent Cooper, the head of the Fremantle Dockers when it comes to their coaching department, and Jack Clisby, who plays for our Perth Glory. They uh, didn't get off to such a great start. So all of that coming your way after the news that's next here on 882 6PR. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Fantastic to have this man off the top of the hour. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service. They bring us this show for expert car service you can book at your local Repco Authorised Service Centre and a bloke who is now a five-time Bathurst 1000 champion joins us in Garth Tander. We had a chat to him prior to the race. He was hoping with his teammate Shane Van Gisbergen that he could get the job done and he did. Garth, welcome. How are you, mate? And congratulations. Uh, thanks, Carl. Um, yeah, fantastic. Obviously, it's um, it still sounds very surreal when you say five-time Bathurst winner because you know I can still very clearly remember as a kid growing up watching the race at home on TV with my mum and my dad, my brother, and uh, just thinking, oh, gee, one day it'd be cool to go and do that race. And um, yeah, and here we are, a few years down the track, and and. Uh, five times winner. So, um, yeah, it's, it's um, all a bit surreal. No, joint fourth all time, mate. It's a wonderful achievement. But you had the tough job, I reckon, because the first 76 laps in tough conditions, how hard was it? Yeah, look, that was that was as tough as I've ever driven at Bathurst over the years because the way the weather was coming through, it was... It was so much... There was patchy rain, and it's never I've never had it so random the way it fall, fell around the track. So, it... It made it really difficult to predict what each corner the grip level was going to be lap to lap because the sun was out at the same time. So it's got this rain, you got dry, you got slippery stuff, and then it was changing so quickly. So I've never ever driven in conditions like that at Bathurst before. So yep. it was really important just to be patient and and you know not get carried away with it all, not damage the car, not slip off the track. Uh, just be patient because we knew the weather forecast was going to be better later in the day. 
So we just had to get to that second phase of the race. Garth, talk us through what was a helter-skelter finish and what goes through your, your head in those last few minutes when you're obviously strategising, trying to keep a, a level head. The emotions have to be held in check. How, how do you deal with those times in a race? Yeah, well, given now I'm a co-driver, I don't finish the race. So when you're in a position to win it, usually when you're the driver and you're in the car, you're not thinking about that stuff. You're just focused on your job, focusing on the next corner, lap by lap, just getting the job done. But when you're a driver that's not in the car, it's it's terrible. I hate it. I really do. So um, I don't really get nervous too often, but I was I was not nervous because I, I knew Shane had it under control, but you just wanted to be over and done with and, and get and feel the deal so you can enjoy it. So uh, the last sort of 15, 20 laps, um, yeah, it was it was on. Definitely it was on. Um, Chaz Mostert, last year's winner, was second behind Shane, and, and they had a fast car, and uh, I knew Chaz was going to be throwing everything at it. But Shane had it under control. He did a great job and, uh, and managed the situation nicely and brought the car home. Touched on the weather and, and how difficult it was. Uh, in terms of the driving and... and on the day itself, uh, was it something, as you said, that was, was something you've never confronted before in Australia? Oh, look, I mean, you, well, you've had, certainly you have, like, changeable weather conditions and things like that, but it was the nature of it, how, how patchy it was. You, you literally would drive through a rain band that would be two seconds long, but the intensity was so much, and then it was gone again. And so it, was, it wasn't coming through in front. It was just dropping in patches. So from a mental fatigue point of view and concentration point of view, it was really, really tough. You had to be super focused, um, you know, because just because that corner last lap was dry, you had no, you, you, there was no guarantee that the next lap it was going to be dry again. It could have been saturated. So you, you really had to keep your vision up, keep your concentration up and really focus in those first, you know, 50 laps. Um, to make sure you didn't make a small mistake because we had so much rain around Bathurst in the lead-up to the event that it was so waterlogged. The, 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 if you went off the track at any stage, even if the track was dry, the grass was so wet and so muddy that you weren't stopping until you hit something solid. So you couldn't make the smallest mistake. If you made the smallest mistake, you paid a massive, massive price. Well, there was a few blokes making mistakes, and they paid that massive, massive price, didn't they? Uh, but Shane Van Gisbergen, mate, how cool a customer is he? Because when we reflect back uh, a couple of weeks ago when we had a chat to you prior to the race, where you got a chance to jump in the car and give it a spin, Shane was off racing rally cars. Uh, he's come out and, and, and run his uh, 19th win of the season, which is most ever. And, you know, just looking at a few of the articles that I've read around you making some comments, mate, even you were admiring his work. The guy's a freak. I mean, in reality, <laughs> we're, you know, 10 days ago, like you said, he was racing in the World Rally Championship. It's not just some little club rally somewhere. It's around the World Rally Championship. He sticks it inside the top 10 on debut, debut only his third or fourth ever rally, and finishes in on the podium in the Junior World Rally Championship class. And then seven days later, he's standing on the top step of the podium at Bathurst, winning, you know, like you said, his 19th win of the season, his second Bathurst, and... And he's the dominant driver in Australian touring car racing at the moment. So I'm really fortunate. I mean, I've been doing this game for a very long time, over 20 years, and I still feel fortunate I get to share the car with him and, and work closely with him because I, I still learn so much from him the way he goes about it. So he's super impressive. He's in, he's, you know what it's like as an athlete where you come into this run of form where 
you know, it's like you can't make a mistake. If you're a footballer, you've always got the ball on a string. If you're a race car driver, it all just seems to happen so easily. And that's where Shane is right now. And uh, it's seriously impressive to watch. Speaking with Garth Tander, five-time Bathurst 1000 champion, and the romance, the fairy tale of Holden and the last pairing to win at Bathurst, uh, was there a sense of emotion about that element of it as well, Garth? Oh, look, we got asked about that a lot in the lead-up to the event because we all knew that this was the last time you were going to see any Holden or a Commodore racing at Bathurst. And, and to be honest, we hadn't given it a lot of thought. And during the race, you obviously don't think about that stuff. But after the race, and certainly when we're on the podium, and there was a huge amount of people under the podium, as there always is at Bathurst, that um, there were so many Holden supporters there. It started to hit home then that how important it was. And, you know, that was Holden's 36th victory at Bathurst. And supercar racing is built on the, the tribal warfare, if you like, the Ford versus Holden thing, that you always grew up, you're either in a Ford family or a Holden family. And that's what supercar racing was built on. And that's, that ended at Bathurst yesterday. So for us, um, having won Holden's very last Bathurst, um, it is it is special, and it, and it is something that you'll probably look back on in five, ten, fifteen years and think, wow, that was actually pretty cool to be part of because Holden has such a rich motorsport history, particularly at Bathurst. I mean, you think about all the Brock stuff and all the rest of it that's gone on in the past with Holden at Bathurst. That to win the last ever one, that's pretty cool. Now, you mentioned that Shane's a freak, and we don't disagree with you there, but he's also human, and he's fallible by looking at that uh, interview that he did uh, live, and he had a, a bit of an issue, I guess, that the stomach rumbled, and the, uh, well, let's be honest, he uh, had to go and have a vomit. <laughs> he was useless this morning, he, terribly, he seriously was. So, um, yeah, we went out and um, we celebrated pretty hard last night, but we knew we had to be up early for, for morning TV, both both the morning TV shows, and... Um, Unfortunately, it was the Channel 9 one. And thankfully, it was Carl Stefanovic. He's probably got a little bit of form in that department himself. So <laughs> yes. Carl was a bit sympathetic with Shane. But yes, I think Shane said three words in that interview and then had to had to step off camera to go and have a little, uh, have a little spew. So... Uh, it was, uh, it was a fun morning, but uh, he was certainly struggling, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I think it's like the, the young bull and the old bull, and it sounds like the old bull reigns supreme as normal, Garth. Uh, thanks very much for your time, mate. Uh, we do appreciate it, and congratulations once again on that outstanding achievement. May we see a few more. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Good on you. Garth Tander, absolute legend of motorsport, and particularly when it comes to supercars, and uh, to, to make it uh, now joint fourth all-time uh, in that particular sport is an incredible performance. So we do thank him for joining us tonight. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. We'll clear a commitment on the other side, come back, and Holly Furling is going to join us from the Perth Scorchers next. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage, Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. And Holly Furling joins us, one of our Gun Perth Scorchers, ahead of the WBBL. Holly, welcome. How are you going? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, you settled in, ready to go? I am. I, I got in, uh, must have been a, a couple nights ago, and yeah, we've got first training coming up with the team, but we've already had a, a bit of media and then the fan day on the weekend as well, which was 
just awesome to see so many people in Orange and, and everyone packing out the wacker, which hopefully we can get the same for our home games this year. Now, you've been around for a little while, of course. Uh, you've been with the Queensland Fire and the Melbourne Renegades, and now you've come to our Perth Scorchers. Uh, it's it's nice to be part of this game, and we know it's a short and fast-paced game, but uh, it has certainly changed the cricketing landscape, hasn't it? It really has, and uh, I mean, my career's been over 10 years already. I'm only 26, and um, to, to have been part of, I guess, that evolution of, of where women's sport and, and women's cricket has, has really got to, um, it's just awesome. Like, the other day at the, the fan day, there's little kids as, as young as six saying that they're they're excited to play for the Perth Scorchers one day, and, and, and same for Australia, and what, like, when I first started, I was 12, so they've already got six <laughs> years on me, so it's pretty impressive to see what these kids are going to be, let alone some of the young guns that are already starting to, to take the field right across the WBBL. Yeah, Holly, we're just scratching the surface when it comes to uh, women and cricket and where this could lead. And, of course, the Australian side doing so well. But locally, we're pretty proud of our Perth Scorchers. I was at uh, the cricket yesterday and uh, Beth Mooney with the trophy. Uh, that's lovely, but uh, there's only one better thing than winning it once, and that's to win it twice. Absolutely. And I think the boys are aiming to do the same. They've obviously got such a rich history here in, in WA with being successful. And um, some of my work in the media, it's actually been pretty cool to get behind the scenes and see how the, I guess, how the club as a whole operates. And um, that was actually one of the draw cards for me coming across here. They've always been a club that, to me, is just so resilient and finds a way to get it done, regardless of the situation that they're in. So, we saw that last year with the boys being away on the road for so long. And then obviously this year they, they get to come home and, and make Optus Stadium their, their real home. Um, but similarly too with the girls, there was that many challenges thrown at them last year. And as an opposition, you, you just knew that they were they were just brewing into something pretty pretty cool. So um, no, I think it's, it's much the same. We've got a squad that's very similar to last year. And um, yeah, I think this is a, a, a squad that, that's really starting to build a culture to knowing how to win. Now, how did a little girl born in Kingaroy, Queensland, grow into becoming a cricketer? Who are the who are the inspirations and those that you idolised in the early days, or was it something else at the time? I actually fell into cricket by chance. I used to go along to my my little brother's club training and bowl to the boys and see how many I could get out. But <laughs> back then, you had no idea that girls played cricket. So um, for me, I actually had a girl at touch football ask me to come trial randomly for a team. And within a couple of months of, of making that team, um, I was playing for the state under-12s cricket team. So um, no, I, I was really by chance. And then once I started to watch more and more um, more and more cricket, more and more women's cricket. The likes of Elise Perry uh, were the ones that, that really stood out to me. She was obviously bowling absolute wheels and, and was doing it at such a young age. So um, to have played alongside her has been awesome, but to also see how she's evolved her game over the years and um, really starting to become a force with, with the bat as well. Um, as an opposition, it's, it's been cool to actually sit and watch and, and see how some of these players including someone like Beth Mooney as well, continues to shape and evolve their game. Well, the Scorchers, we look like we've got a very good side on paper, but that still has to translate to results. October 16, game one, Sydney Thunder at the Weber Oval. Then you back it up the next day against the Hobart Hurricanes. So how would you describe that as a, a double header start to your campaign? 
Yeah, it's this is the thing with the WBBL. It's always jam-packed, and I think we've got one of the, the most packed fixtures uh, compared to every other team. I think we play five games in the in the first seven days that, that we get started. So, um, no, I, I think having uh, the Sydney Thunder and um, Hobart up front, um, I think it's a good chance to actually see where we're placed in the competition. Hobart have um, really recruited well this year, um, and then Sydney Thunder have a lot of young guns that are just fearless. So, um, I think it's it's a good way to just get the ball get the ball rolling, and then hopefully, then a couple of days later, we're then back at the Wacker, completely packed out, full of our, our Orange Army, and then hopefully, we can put another win on the board there. So you are a, a World Cup winner at seventeen. You're a Test player at eighteen. You now head to Perth at twenty six. What's the future look like? Oh, that's that's the uh, the number one question, isn't it? No, I've I've even made the move this year to to Canberra to play for the ACG Meteors in the WNCL. So uh, I think I've I've surprised myself with with some of the decisions that I've made um, in the last little bit. But um, I make a lot of decisions based on on my values and and what feels right to me. And um, both of these teams that I'm playing for this year, the Meteors, and then also the Scorchers. It's, there's a real family feel and um, there's a lot of love in, in both groups. So um, to me, that's that's something that, that helps me to perform and um, that, that's something that I'm yeah really excited to be part of. Now, Holly, I don't know what your ambitions are outside of cricket, but you sound like you would be like a duck to water when it comes to media and being able to MC. And oh, I just get the feeling you're going to make a, a name for yourself. You're enjoying uh, dipping your toe in the water in that front? Yeah, I, to be honest, I have completely fallen into that as well. And I don't see myself as a cricket snuff at all. Um, I just hope that I can, um, I guess, bring along some of the stories that, that I've heard along the way. Um, you guys are, are much the same, the amount of people that you get to interview but that speak to as well within the industry. Um, there's so many cool stories out there. And, and that's the thing that um, I'm always most interested in is, is not necessarily the wins and losses, but what's the story behind? Where has that player been? How have they got there? Um, and what's made them perform on that day. And um, that for me, that's what I try and, and bring to, to the coverage that whenever I'm a part of it. But um, no, it's been fun. I've actually found it's actually helped me on field as well because all of a sudden, instead of being emotional in the decision-making, you can actually take that bird's-eye perspective almost as though you're commentating and try and see where the games play, see where momentum's at and what your opportunity is. Absolutely. And we uh, do thank you for coming on our program, having a yak to us tonight and all the best. Look forward to seeing you in action. No, thanks so much, guys. Good on you. Holly Furling joining us here on Sports Day, one of our newest gun recruits and looking forward to the girls getting underway. Game one, October 16, against the Sydney Thunder. And we can get right behind our girls, as we can also get behind the Perth Wildcats this season and head to ticketech.com.au right now. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia EV6 and Sportage, Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day and a great opportunity for young footballers around the country, Skeet. And there has been a little bit of, uh, well, competition. We, we will say that between the young blokes as they try to earn themselves a spot on an AFL list. Yes, the draft combine held in Melbourne at the weekend and 12 West Aussies went across there to uh, have some physical tests, be interviewed by clubs. And one young man from Swan District's Darcy Jones certainly impressed those who saw him. He joins us for a chat now. Darcy, uh, congratulations on your performances. We'll touch on those shortly. But how did you enjoy the experience of going to Melbourne for the Combine? Yeah, um, certainly um, a different experience. I'll definitely obviously remember forever. Um, yeah, just just pretty surreal, really, um, with a bunch of blokes that um, 
yeah, obviously have the same dreams and ambitions, um, all there to do the same thing. And, um, yeah, no, it was pretty amazing. What did they put you through, mate? Just take us through the series of events that uh, you had to put out your best performance in front of uh, what uh, would be 18 prying eyes. Yep. Um, yeah, so um, got there on the uh, – on. Um, what day was it? It was the Friday, I'm pretty sure. And then um, went, got landed, went and had dinner. Um, and the first couple of days was pretty much just um, club interviews, all that sort of stuff, and um, a few like medical stuff, um, just all that sort of stuff, preparing for the actual combine on the Sunday. Um, and yeah, um, woke up Sunday morning, went to the to the tennis courts and did all the testing and finished off with the two K. So let's break this down. The agility test at Margaret Court Arena, you did 7.7 seconds. And to put that into context, that eclipses the previous record held by former Dockers champion Stephen Hill 14 years ago, by the way, of (laughs) 7.77 seconds. Uh, At what point did you realise you'd had uh, a pretty exceptional test? Yeah, um, I actually don't really know. After I did it, um, you read the times out. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, pretty happy with that. that's a pretty good score. Um, and then, yeah, bloke comes over with the like the records and says I've um, beaten Stephen Hill. Um, yeah, it was quite a shock. Um, all the boys got around me, which was good to see. But, um, yeah, no, nah, pretty pretty amazing. Hey, Dars, had you been practising or had you done this sort of thing before? Yeah. Um, after we finished um, footy for the season, we, um, we uh, all got together with our state and um, with the state squad and, um, well, sorry, all the people that got invited to the combine all got together um, through the state program and um, did a bit of training there. I, I think uh, Monday, Monday, Wednesday, uh, one, Monday, Wednesday, and Saturdays. And so, not just the agility test, but what about the standing vertical jump test? Seventy-five centimeters. You equaled. Uh, Vic Country Tool, James Van S. So that's a, a huge uh, double for you. And it, I know it's not the be-all and end-all, but it's pretty handy to, to put those sorts of numbers up in front of those scouts. And uh, as you say, it's part enjoyment, but part stressful, the whole experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was both, um, uh, yeah, it was pretty stressful. Um, a lot of big names around, a lot of people you want to impress um, leading into the draft. And um, that's why you put the effort in and... Um, Nah, yeah, it was yeah, overall pretty good. Those that haven't seen Darcy Jones play for Swan Districts, so I've had the fortune of watching him play some Colts footy. Obviously, he's, he's progressed through the ranks. 175 centimetres, which is diminutive, but he's quick, he's fast, he's got a lot of speed, as, as we've seen. Also, where's the helmet? Now, Darcy, tell us where that originates from. You've worn the helmet for, I guess, much of your uh, junior career. Yeah, pretty much, um, I'd say, most of my career, really. Um Started wearing it probably year eight, year nine. Um, yeah, reason being is I had probably a couple minor concussions, nothing too crazy. Um, and yeah, pretty much just sat down with the parents and um, they put the idea out on the table to wear a helmet. And I was, yeah, didn't mind the idea. So yeah, gave it a crack and um, stuck with it ever since. I think um, it'd be a bit weird if I took it off and it's kind of who I am now. So. Um, I think that'll be staying forever. Well, mate, when you look at Caleb Daniel at 168 centimetres and what he's done in the game, mate, if you can uh, go to a third of emulating what he's done, uh, you'll be going all right yeah. because he's had a remarkable yeah, career. 
Um, now, I want to know. I want to know what the the mental and and fuel application was for you going into Sunday, mate. Because if you've rocked up on yep. Friday for dinner and you've had all these interviews and medicals, because you've come out yep. and starred and you've obviously done a two k time trial as well on this Sunday. Um, what was the fuel, mate? How, how were you mentally going into it? Yeah, um, I think it's pretty safe to say I was quite nervous heading into it. Um, that was, yeah, I'd say easily the most stressful part of the whole um, whole combine, like camp. But um, yeah, no, I was honest. Um, I, was, I was quite tired. The um, first couple of days, like the interviews and all that sort of stuff, they were pretty long days, um, kind of mentally and and physically. Um, um, so yeah, no, I was. Um, yeah, just pretty much just a bit nervous heading into Sunday, but um, yeah. Darcy Jones, uh, a Swan Districts boy, everyone, if you've just joined us here on Sports Day. Now, Darcy, I've got to ask you about uh, the pick, because in today's paper, mate, we can see a guy who is down on his haunches effectively crawling towards the finish line in the 2K trial. He's the younger brother, Sam Hayes, of uh, who plays at Port Adelaide. Um, just um, Can you just describe us what unfolded and where you maybe were at the time? Yeah, um, so his group was the uh, group after mine, so group three. Um, so the groups were in, like, order of how fast you run, um, the first group being the fastest. And, um, yeah, so I just finished my race, and I was um, kind of just winding down a little bit, having a little bit of a stretch and um, just watching the race three unfold. And, um, yeah, it was near the end, and it was probably about 20 metres to go um, for two blokes, Sam Hayes and... Um, Oh, I forget the, the other guy's name so that helped him across so the line. So it's Lewis. But, um, so Lewis was the bloke who was crawling, and then Max uh, Grzuski, yeah. I think, was the, the fellow that stopped, yeah, essentially. that's it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Lewis obviously took a bit of a stack, I think probably 15 metres from the finish line, and um, uh, Max, was it, um, came past and helped him up and um, tried to get him over the finish line. But, um, yeah, obviously he was pretty tired too, so it was... I think quite hard to get him over the line. He's a big boy, um, Lewis Hayes. So, um, yeah, no, it was quite hard to watch. As um, you kind of felt for him, but um, yeah, no, he did a good job actually crawling over over the line. It's a good look. So, hey Darcy, it's worth touching on a couple of your fellow West Australians. Uh, Ed Allen, of course, son of Ben, twenty meter sprint test yep. was outstanding, one hundred ninety four centimeters. So he's He's uh, got some height on his side. 2.81 yep. seconds was the best of that. And Ruben Jinby, who also was really good, and, and he's expected to go really highly uh, from a draft perspective uh, in the, the upcoming draft. And, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of fanfare about the way he goes about his business. Yeah, certainly. Um, just with Ed, um, no, that was pretty impressive, that 20-minute sprint. Um, I knew he was going to do well heading into the day. Um, all the trainings and stuff, he was always always beating everybody and, um, yeah, doing really well. And, yeah, no, he smashed it. Um, uh, yeah, Rubes, he's um pretty pretty all-round good player, isn't he? He's pretty good at everything. So, um, no, he's, he's had an exceptional year and um, deserves everything that's coming his way. So, What's next to us? I know the draft is in the, on the horizon. Do you get a breather? Do you get back into training of some description in a few weeks? How do you plot this next couple of months out? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I'll take probably maybe two to three weeks off and just have a little bit of a rest. It's been a pretty long season, so um, I think a little bit of a, a little bit of rest for the legs um, is, is needed. So, yeah, just doing that and probably 
after three weeks, start doing some running and get the basic fitness up ready for pre-season so I'm not completely cooked um, <laughs> heading into it. Well, I like that number on the front of your shirt, mate, and uh, if it means anything, uh, see if you can get a hold of it because it did me pretty well, mate. Uh, thanks very much for your time yeah, tonight. Yeah, oh, thank you. Good thanks so much. Cheers. Darcy Jones, uh, thanks to Barbecues Galore. Uh, go to iCanWin.com.au to win a Ziggy by Ziegler and Brown Barbecue. This is what you can get hold of uh, this summer. So if you want to get hold of one of those, then uh, make sure that uh, you go to iCanWin.com.au. As we clear a commitment, we'll keep the footy theme going. We'll have a chat to Trent Cooper from the Freo Dockers, the AFLW coach, next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage, Cars of the Year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day and fantastic to again touch base with Trent Cooper, Fremantle Dockers AFLW coach. Welcome, Trent. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Carl. Uh, I know you lost on the weekend, but you'd have to be pretty pleased taking it up to one of the top sides in the competition, wouldn't you? Yeah, we were. The girls are very brave to be, um, yeah, to, to lead them up to three-quarter time. Um, and we'd lost three players before halftime. Um, so, yeah, the, the girls are very brave, and obviously, just yeah, the, the rotations hurt late in the game, particularly when you're playing against the side uh, as good as Adelaide. It's been that sort of year for you, Trent, hasn't it? With losing players and unfortunately not being able to finish off matches occasionally. I know there was a breeze on the weekend, but it's just nothing's quite gone right for you. No, that's that's true. Um, internally, we've been really um, pleased with the improvement since round two, where we no, we played, there's no doubt we played really poorly since then. And since then, each week we've got better. We, I thought our best game for the year so far was against Melbourne, and I thought we were even better on the weekend. So heading in the right direction, it's not going to uh, translate into anything as far as finals go, but uh, we still think that uh, we've been really pleased that the group have been able to remain positive and, and keep going forward because, it, yeah, it could have, uh, could have spun out of control early on, that's for sure. Kiara Bowers, it seems we talk about her work rate, her tackling pressure, which again was through the roof at the weekend and getting so much of the footy as well, Carla. The numbers are extraordinary, Coos. We're just having a look at them right now. No, I ain't lazy tackles, uh, The record is 20, so uh, I know you don't have to ask her to go down that path, but that's just the way she operates. Yeah, you see some people go, oh, no, she's second to the ball. That's why she tackles 19 times. But I think she had 11 clearances and... Uh, 29 touches herself, and then um, yeah, her goal assist uh, to Phil Seth was elite as well. She could have put it through, but uh, her game was phenomenal. She she suffered early in the year on the back of a, a, a mixed preseason, just leading into round one. But her form over the last uh, yeah, two and a half rounds has been, I was going to say back to her best, but to be honest, it's probably been a little bit better than her um, her amazing year. She's been she's been untouchable. Uh, you'd like a few more of her. Uh, I think that is uh, something that we uh, we can we can talk about. And look, going forward, Coops, um, you, look, you're out of finals contention. There's no doubt about that. And you're looking to the future. What do you try to get out of the last few weeks of the season? Yeah, we've got. Um, we want to be a top four side, so that's what we're aiming at. So these last two weeks have been great to play top four sides in Melbourne and Adelaide, and we get that opportunity again 
uh, when we play Collingwood this week. So we want to finish the season. It's great that we get to play another good side. Uh, we, we finish with a couple of expansion sides after that. But this is, uh, in some ways, like our grand final because it's a, we get to play a, a side who's going to be right in, in the finals action and we get to you know, test ourselves where we're at, even though, um, yeah, obviously we're going to struggle a little bit for availability this week. But we'll still put out a side in the park that we think can challenge Collingwood. Speaking with Trent Cooper, Fremantle Dockers AFLW coach on Sports Day. So who can we put a line through this week, injury-wise? Um, no one is yet because they're literally getting scans done now. But I'd say that um, Cuthbertson, O'Sullivan, uh, highly unlikely, and probably Wilstra as well. So uh, we think we'll have three out. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Talia Reid in a scrimmage early on, before the game, also injured her wrist as well. So it was like the walking wounded heading on the bus back to the airport. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we are getting a little bit low on availability. But, um, yeah, the good news is Dana Reese should be out of the concussion protocol. She's tracking well. She's not through yet, but she's a good chance. And um, Ebony Antonio is also progressing well, and uh, she's a chance to put her hand up this week. Well, I saw Maddie Scanlon at the Waffle Grand Final hoops before I had a week off, and she had a, uh, a a wrist in a brace, and she had a foot in a moon boot, so she won't be uh, running out there anytime soon. So how many does that mean you've now got on the sidelines if the girls don't come up that you've just spoken about, no Sullivan and Cuth- Cuthbertson in particular? Uh, we could be down to the bare 21 this week. Wow. Um, so I will... T- we'll- Check out Luke Jackson's availability. <laughs> <laughs> we can do everything there. So, what, uh, so not but, joking. So, what if someone gets injured at training this week, Coops? What what, yeah. what happens? What do you do? Who, who we, do you we, dig into we, then? No, we've got the uh, the train on. Um, right. We've been great. They, they yeah. train sort of once a week with us. So, in that situation, um, we've got. I think we've got about eight train ons you know, from the Waffle W. So, if we do get to that situation, and that's how uh, Michaela Weston ended up playing last year when we got hit by COVID. Um, so yeah, it's a possibility that could happen ha- happen again. But at the moment, we're we're, we're pretty confident that we can uh, put a f- full team out in the park. And but the best thing is the girls are all really positive and really put their hand up and wanting to go. So we won't be playing anybody who's uh, they're really out of form and uh, is lucky to get a game. It's just that they're going to get the opportunity and um, yeah, they'll give it their best shot. Beautiful, mate. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. No worries. Thanks, boys. Trent Cooper, AFLW coach for the Dockers, and they take on Collingwood this Sunday, 2.10pm, down there at Freo Oval Street. Yes, uh, Fremantle currently second last uh, on the AFLW table. The West Coast Eagles 14th, by the way, with a couple of wins. Right up the top, Chits, even Brisbane, Adelaide, Melbourne, Collingwood, all just fighting for that top spot. Percentage, of course, of Brisbane 259, Adelaide 233. But there's some elite and there's some teams that are struggling in the AFLW. Yeah, well, those four teams you just spoke about have only lost a game each, so that's how tight it is at the top. It's been unbelievable, as you said. Uh, thanks to Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage Cars of the Year. Jack Clisby from the Perth Glory is going to join us next. This season got underway. Sadly, they didn't get away to a winning start, but we'll have a chat to Jack next. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage Cars of the Year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day and Perth Glory defender Jack Clisby joins us on the program. Jack, welcome, mate. How are you going? Going well, mate. A little bit sore after the first game, but the recovery the recovery protocols are in place, so um, looking forward to the next game. What did you make of uh, the match going down against uh, the Western Sydney Wanderers to kick off the season? Yeah, it was, it was disappointing in the manner that 
we conceded the goal. It was a very scruffy goal. Um, on our behalf and their behalf, really, it was. Uh, it should have been dealt with better because I thought for majority of the game we were pretty solid defensively as a team. Um, I think we could have created more chances going forward, but... Um, you know, I think overall the game was it, was it was quite tight between both teams and, and there wasn't really much in it. Jack, the comment from your coach, Ruben Zadkovic, that your team lacked spark and creativity. Was that fair? Yeah, as I said, uh, we lacked a bit, um, I think, in creating those moments and those chances. We didn't have enough moments in front of goal, I believe. Um, I think our... You know, our general play building up from the back and, and the middle third was um, was relatively smooth. But, yeah, well, as the coaches mentioned it there, um, I think that creativity in the final third and, you know, making that, that final pass stick to create that opportunity and, and getting more shots and targets. So that's something that, that we'll address and, and look to, um, you know, mani- manipulate into the next game. Could have been too... Nil, but for the hands of Liam Reddy, who we know is a super keeper, did the job again, saving a penalty. Yeah, that's that's one of Rocket's specialties. Um, you know, he's he's pretty well known in the league for you know his uh, shot stopping and his uh, penalty saves. He's done it many many times over his years, and you know he does his he does his work on them. And um, you know it was he kept us in the game um, it, well until extra time. You know, so we still. Um, created that probably our best chance of the game with Aaron McInef, um with the double shot. You know the, the keepers made a good save down to the bottom bottom corner, and um, you know that goes in. We we steal a point out of the game. Um, wasn't to be unfortunately, but yeah, um, it was yeah. It's a frustrating result to walk away with, especially um, you know the effort was there from the boys, and I thought we worked really hard. Jack, how do you think that uh, you're going to be able to, say, turn things around? Because there was uh, very few shots on goal from both teams, really. And really, when you reflect back to last season, both teams did struggle. They finished uh, pretty much towards uh, the bottom end of the A-League table. <clears throat> yeah, as uh, as I mentioned, yeah, we, we did lack, um, you know, moments in that game going forward. And, I'm, I'm, you know, Rubens and the staff are... Um, are going to be, you know, um, on to us this week about that. And I'm sure that they're going to put things in place that can help us create those opportunities and, and have more attacking opportunities to, to score goals and, um, you know, be creative. So we've definitely got the players to do it. It's just about um, implementing it into the, into our game this, um, you know, coming up this weekend. If you look at what you produced in terms of a lineup for the weekend's opening A-League match, seven new faces in the starting, starting lineup. So that means it's obviously a, a work in progress and uh, the first of five consecutive away games. So no question, Jack. It's a, it's a testing start to your season. It is, but the, at the end of the day, we've got a we've got an even balance of home and away games, so it means we'll have a good run of home games, um, you know, when our, when our um, stadium at Macedonia, Macedonia Park is ready. We'll have a good run of home games as well. So um, you have to play, we have to play these games and, you know, we're just relishing the opportunity. It's a the chance to try and you know move forward and, and get these points on the road early because you know come when we we're playing at home um, you know we, we've got to we've got to put our foot forward and, and be favourites to win every week at home and make it a fortress for ourselves. Did the boys uh, come out of the match unscathed? Is there anyone that uh, was injured on the weekend that won't be available for the next game? No, it's just general soreness as you get after a game. 
you know, it's a, it's our first um, first game of the season, and and it was competitive physically. So um, it's it's always going to be like that, especially the first few rounds, um, getting into the groove of the league. But you know, we'll hit the ground running and and, and look to rectify uh, next weekend. And with the Newcastle Jets, uh, your next opponent, mate. Um, how you know, with your reconnaissance, which would only be brief. Uh, how have you have you seen them, and what do you think uh, they will be as an opponent coming up next? Yeah, look, they've recruited a lot of new players like we have. Um, we unfortunately didn't get to view the game on the weekend as their game got called off, but we're familiar with a lot of faces that they've brought in, and you know they've brought in a lot of. Um, um, as I mentioned, new players as well. So I'm sure that they'll be a well-drilled side. You know, they had they were playing good football last year um, with the same coach. So I'm sure with new faces, they'll be up for the challenge for their first game. Good luck, mate. Thank you very much uh, for having a yak to us here on Sports Day. We appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Jack Clisby, Perth Glory defender, uh, after that 1-0 uh, loss over the weekend. Yeah, disappointing start, albeit with a lot of new faces in there. I did catch a fair bit of the... Melbourne victory win over Sydney FC 3-2 and it was torrential rain over there in Sydney on the weekend. So entertaining match with five goals scored. Unfortunately, though, the glory unable to hit the back of the net in their first outing. That was an issue for them last season. Of course, they won the wooden spoon or took the wooden spoon. Uh, Let's hope they can get through the next four games and pick up some points along the way. Back in action on Saturday against the Newcastle Jets. Uh, That match gets underway at 2pm. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.